your grandmother probably taught you something about watching what you say. And I will bet that it went something like this. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Right? Like, you, isn't it funny? Did all, our, did all our grandmas go to the same grandma school? Like, where did they learn that? Have you found yourself saying that to your children or to your grandchildren? If you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say anything at all. But now we kind of live in a little bit of a different world. Sometimes it's if we don't have anything nice to say, just go type it. Someone will probably share it. Or maybe you've known people or maybe this has been you that you would say, if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit by me and we'll make fun of people together. Because we live in a world where not a lot of people have a lot of things nice to say. And we're all guilty. We've all said things that are scathing, hurtful, harmful, just downright mean. We're quick to pass judgment. At best, at best, we heed our grandma's advice and just zip it and just keep quiet. But I believe even our grandmother's advice falls short just a little bit. And in this series, we are looking at what the scriptures say, what the Bible says, and it says a lot about the power of our words and the power of language. And it's doubly important in our culture now because we type our words as much as we say them. In fact, the words we type might be even more powerful Why? Because they live forever. I can't re-listen to the hurtful things that someone says over and over. I can remember them, but I can't hear them again. But oh man, if someone types those words in an email, in a post, on a blog, I can read them over and over and over and over. They can become words that truly hurt. The Apostle Paul took what our grandmothers all collectively said, that somehow they all said that together, they all knew that same thing, and he stepped it up a notch. The Apostle Paul wrote that we should not only not say negative things, not say hurtful things, but that we should be people who speak life into people, who speak life over people. And I believe I believe if we would follow this one thing, in fact, if you would follow this one thing, you would do this one thing, it would change the temperature in your home. It would change the dynamic in your family. If you would take this principle to your workplace, to your office, it would change your workplace. If, if you and I would take this principle into our community, onto our sports teams and in our schools, in our classrooms, in our offices, it would begin to change our community. If we as a church would take this seriously at Mountaintop, it would, it would change Birmingham. And if all of us, all of you watching, whether you're watching this live or later on, if every Christian on the face of the planet would just take Paul's word seriously here, I believe that we would change the world. Christians would become the most liked people on the planet. Are Christians the most liked people on the planet right now? Not always. But if we would just do just this one little thing, all the Christians on planet Earth would become the kind of people that everyone wants to be around. Are you the kind of person that everyone wants to be around? 
because, simply, simply because of how you speak. So listen to what the Apostle Paul says. We're only going to look at three little short verses in a book called Ephesians. It's a letter that he wrote to a church in a community called Ephesus. The good news for you and me is that for 2,000 years, Christians have been struggling with how they talk to one another because this was a problem that he had to address for them as well. So we're going to be in Ephesians 4, uh, 29, verse 29, 30, and 31, to start with 29, this really powerful verse. Listen to what it says in 429. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Just, just real quick, Louis, would you just say this with me? Building others up. If you're watching at home, put it in the chat, building others up. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now, it's really easy to read this passage and I see this word unwholesome talk and what immediately comes to mind. Four letter words, right? That's what immediately comes to mind. Now, I I don't think four-letter words are particularly helpful or build others up, but Paul is talking about something bigger and broader than bad words, okay? He's, in fact, you're gonna learn more about this word unwholesome in the Greek language. You're gonna learn a little bit more about it later, but really one of the things that it means is that it is unfit for use, Language that is unfit for use. And sometimes we we use language that's just kind of unfit for use. It's out of date. In fact, some of the ways that some people talk about groups of people who look differently than them is unfit for use. It's worn out language. It's dated language. Do you use language that's just unfit for use, just worn out? Paul says to the Ephesians, the follower of Jesus who takes his or her faith seriously would guard their words and wouldn't let any of this kind of talk come out of our mouths, but only talk that builds others up. And the most common way this happens is something called criticism. Mm. And boy, online has just given us a brand new, exciting platform to criticize others, hasn't it? You know what I'm talking about. It's it's the kind of talk that tears others down, that, that beats others down. It does the opposite of what Paul says. It doesn't build people up. It doesn't benefit one uh, one another. Criticism just eats away. Think about the way that you feel when you are criticized. You second guess yourself, don't you? It makes you self-conscious. It it makes you uh, lose confidence. It makes you feel rejected. It hurts when you're criticized. Can I tell you a secret about preachers, okay? Listen, I'm breaking about all preachers sign a covenant that they will not share this secret when they become preachers. So I'm gonna share a preacher, preacher secret with you. A preacher can preach a sermon, and after the service, a thousand people can say to the preacher, Pastor, that is the greatest sermon I have ever heard in my life. And the preacher can get one email criticizing the message. 
And all that preacher thinks about all week long is that one email. Do you know that about preachers? Don't tell all the other preachers you know that you know their secret now. But you know that's true. Because a thousand people can call you brilliant, smart, bright, and one person call you stupid. And all you remember is that one person. A thousand people can say you're beautiful, handsome, that you look great in that outfit, and one person can criticize your outfit or criticize your looks, and all you remember is that one person. That's just the way criticism does to us. It just, it just hurts us, and Paul says it's not helpful, and he says just to take criticism out of our vocabulary, this language that doesn't build people up it, and only speak what speaks life. In fact, this is what I think Paul would say. This would be my short version of it. If it doesn't build them up, don't blurt it out. <clears throat> So every time something is about to come out of your mouth that you think, like, is this a little bit? If it doesn't build them up, just don't blurt it out. That's Paul's, that's my way of saying what Paul said. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for others for building them up. If it doesn't build them up, don't blurt it out. Just don't do it. Speak life. Compliment someone. How could you do that this week? What if you just said, I'm going to make sure I compliment somebody at work every day? I'm going to make sure I compliment everyone in my family. I'm going to write an encouraging note to somebody going through a hard time. I'm going to write an encouraging note to someone whom everyone else is criticizing. In my office, in my school, in the community. What if you could do that? The, 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 the lesson that we invited people to take home last week had some ways to encourage you to compliment others and to speak life into others. Now, I know what some people are thinking. Well, does this mean that I never say anything negative? Do I never say anything, do I only say positive stuff, right? That's, that's kind of what, what we're thinking. Uh, what if there's a time that I need to say something to somebody that's not exactly nice, but they need to hear it? And so here's what I think is really important that we got to understand, just kind of unpack what Paul says. Coaching isn't criticism. Coaching is is by nature building others up. Coaching is trying to help people to concede, uh, succeed. Coaching is trying to help people become their very best versions of themselves. Coaches don't criticize, they correct. And if you're a parent, of course, you can't, I mean, Paul's not saying that everything you say has gotta be rosy. Sometimes as a parent, you can set to say some things that aren't very rosy. You have to correct, you have to admonish. Amen, come on parents, is there anybody else in here? You gotta coach, you, you gotta help correct, you gotta help them become the best version. You are actually building them up. But here's what I think happens in our culture is that too often we are not in a position to coach and then it feels like criticism. I think there are two positions that can, that can place us in a spot that we're able to coach someone and not criticize them. Number one is, a, is be a raving fan. Be a raving fan of someone. Are you someone's raving fan? You are always um, encouraging them, always complimenting them, always telling them how great they're doing, always telling them what, what you, how much you believe in them. And then you can coach them. I love one of my favorite Proverbs says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Like when you've got a friend that you know is on your side, in your corner, that they're gonna go to bat for you, if they tell you something hard, if they say, hey, we need to have a hard conversation, but it's because I love you, you know that it's coming from a place of love. 
Psychologists say that you need five compliments to balance out every one criticism. So with your parents, come on, with your children, are there, are there five compliments for every one? Coaching, every one criticism? Let's be careful to make sure if we're going to coach someone that we're a raving fan. We far outweigh. We are, we are blessing people with encouragement. The second place that we can be is to be a certified expert. Right? I mean, so if you, NFL players take coaching, but if you or I try to coach an NFL player, they're not going to listen to us because we don't know what in the Sam Hill we're talking about, right? We don't know what we're talking about. I, we don't, we've never coached a National Football League team. We, we, we can't tell them what to do. They're not going to listen to us. That's just criticism. You got to be a certified expert. Gosh, I was thinking back to March, second week of March, 2020. Y'all remember that? Remember that week when you just started hearing about this thing called the coronavirus and stuff started shutting down? Stuff started shutting down and you began to wonder like, well, okay, well what? And, and we began having conversations. Should we cancel in-person church and go to just online worship? Do y'all remember this? Like when you knew nothing about COVID-19? And the whole culture was trying to have this conversation I'll never forget, we went, we had a staff outing the Tuesday before that. And we're like, I don't know, is it okay to touch these axes? After you touch the axes, we're throwing axes. That Thursday night, we had a night of worship here, had a couple hundred people here, and we're like, should we? I think we're gonna be okay, we're gonna worship Sunday. That Friday, we were, we were discussing it with our elders, we were discussing it with our staff, we were trying to figure out, I was watching what every other church in town was doing, it came a point on Friday, like Church of the Highlands and us were the only two that hadn't canceled, and I'm thinking, if Chris ain't canceling, I ain't canceling. You know what I mean? I mean, come on. Like, I'm just waiting. You know, it's what, it's what we're doing. We get up Saturday morning. We have, a, we have a men's breakfast Saturday morning. There's 30 or 40 men down in the student center, and I'm like, hey, I think we're going to meet tomorrow morning. We're going to be okay. And I got home from that men's breakfast, and I had an email from an infectious disease doctor at UAB Hospital urging me and other faith leaders to consider canceling in-person worship for a while. You see, she was a certified expert. And I said, maybe we need to step, that wasn't criticism, she was trying to coach me, right? But here's what I believe is true. If you're not a raving fan or a certified expert, it's probably criticism and not coaching. If you're not a raving fan or a certified expert, it's probably criticism and not coaching. And in our culture, in our society, we love to give strong opinions, opinions about people and things and situations of which we know nothing about. It's just criticism. It's just unwholesome talk that's not helpful. It doesn't build people up. It's not trying to coach people. It's not trying to correct people. We're just criticizing them and we're not an expert in the person or the situation. And Paul says, so, I mean, and there's another level, layer to this. This is what he says in the next two verses. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. Paul says, here's the deal. If you are struggling with what is coming out of your mouth, it is because there is a problem with what is in your heart. 
Paul says, why are you even thinking those things? Why are, you, why are those thoughts even there? This is basically what he's saying. What comes out of us reflects what's in us. And if you want to stop this, Paul says, if you want to make sure that you cannot let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, then you got to do some hard work and some heart work on the inside because what comes out of us will reflect what's in us. And the reason that this is important, the reason this grieves the Holy Spirit when we don't speak blessing, when we don't speak life, when we don't speak encouragement, when we don't speak words that build others up, the reason that this, this grieves the Holy Spirit is that our words impact people far more than we realize. And I wanted to invite my friend Mark Jackson to come help tell us why. Mark, come on up and join us. Mark is, uh, has been a part of our church family for about two years. And Mark, you, you've built uh, a whole ministry on this, on this verse, haven't you? Yes, sir, I have. Yes, yeah, so tell us, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and, and where you come from. Well, um, I'm from Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Um, I guess my, in, in my timeline would be something like this. After graduating from college, I, I went into coaching and teaching for 17 years. I was a high school special needs teacher and a football and a baseball coach. Um, those first 10 years were at Opelika High School. And then I felt a call to the ministry and yeah. um, I went on staff for 13 years with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I traveled the state of Alabama and I spoke anywhere they would let me. And then I went into church ministry yeah. And, um, and I spent 19 years as a pastor. And I know some of you are looking at me going, you're not that old. Well, I know, thank you. Some of, the, some of that overlapped, okay? I did some of those things at the same time. But that's, that's kind of a timeline. That's a word that builds yourself up, right? <laughs> you yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes too, right? Because so, they might have been looking at me like, well, I thought he was older. Yeah, you know? yeah. All those years. How do they add up? Um, and I, I want to say this about Mark. Mark is a raving fan. Mm. No one sends me more encouraging texts on Sunday afternoons than this guy sitting right here. And I want you to know that that means a lot to me. Thank you, sir. Um, so I want to talk about how this, this idea of, because you want to come out, I thought about, I spoke about how we launch these words, but you're going to talk about where these words land. Yeah. Because our words launch from our mouths or someone else's, but they always land on somebody they don't, they don't go off in the ocean or in the air. These bombs, these verbal bombs go off in us. And one of the things, I, one of my favorite sayings for leaders, and that's spiritual leaders, that's moms and dads, teachers, coaches, bosses, is that our words weigh 1,000 pounds. Mm. And that can be a blessing. I, I've got a story. So when my, I was a kid, probably about 10 or 11 years old, my mom and one of her friends were going on a walk one summer evening, and I do not remember who her friend was that was with us. But I remember the spot in the neighborhood where we were, and they were talking about how my daddy never wears shorts. And my mama said something like, I wish he would because he has nice legs. <laughs> Which is good that my mama likes my daddy's legs. I like that. <clears throat> but I said, well, mama, what do you think about my legs? And she said, and I remember, where the, I remember the spot in the road I was standing on, and she said, oh, you have nice legs too. And to this day, I think I have pretty nice legs because of my mama. <laughs> so these words Good. can weigh a thousand pounds Amen. if they're the right kind of words. 
But if they're the wrong kind of words, they land in a different way. Yeah. And I want to let Mark close us out today to talk, tell us about how these words can, uh, can hurt when they're not done the right way. Thank you for the opportunity Absolutely. to speak today. I um, would show you my legs, but my mom never said that about mine. So I very rarely wear shorts. <laughs> but, you know, just like Carter said, um, wholesome words spoken into your life are encouraging. They help you to have a, selfie, a healthy self-image. But just as, as wholesome words can create a healthy self-image, unwholesome words, negative words, can create a very unhealthy self-image. And I'm going to share a personal story with you. I'm going to be very transparent in this story. And the only reason I share this story is hoping that at the end of the next 15, 20 minutes, that the Spirit of God does something incredible in people's hearts towards being positive with the things we say. I did grow up in Tampa, Florida, and uh, I went to the third largest high school in the United States. Um, that's not to brag. That was really had a lot of difficulties with that. We had double session, so we didn't even see a lot of the students during the day. And 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 if you were an athlete, you went in in you went to the first session. And I did play all sports in high school. But this story happened my tenth grade year. The first team I ever had to try out for in high school was basketball. And this was a large school and over a hundred young men tried out for the basketball team. And out of those hundred, I was one of them and I wasn't anywhere near the best <laughs> player trying out. But I hustled, I, I did what I could do and after a week of tryouts, the coach posted the, the JV team and the varsity team the list in alphabetical order on a wall. And so I went to the JV list being a 10th grader and I looked down the list and I made the team. And that was a real thrill for me. First time I had to make a team. I'm a sports guy, I, you know, as I mentioned, I coached, I played. Um, so sports were real important to me and that was the first time I had to make a team. So after school that day, I went home and I walked walked into the trailer that we lived in and my dad was sitting at the table where he always sat. Let me just say this real quickly. My dad was a disabled veteran. He uh, couldn't work. Uh, it took a while before the, the, the military made him 100% disabled. So we went through a period where we had hardly any money in our house. We were poor. And my dad would sit there at that table and my mom was sitting there with him this day and I came in from school and I, and I looked at my dad and I looked at my mom and I said, guess what? I made the basketball team. And I remember my dad's face lit up, you know, and he said, man, I'm so proud of you, son. He spoke those words of affirmation. It just fills you up with that good feeling. And then I handed the list of things that you had to buy to purchase to play basketball. And I handed the list to my mom and my mom looked at the list and she said this. She said, Mark, I'm proud of you too, but we can't afford the things on this list. I said, mom, I want to play high school basketball. So we walked up to a 7-Eleven store, probably a mile, maybe somewhere around a mile from my house. And my mom put a dime, you remember those days? She put a dime in the payphone to call my coach. Now the reason we had to walk to the store and use a payphone is we never had a phone and my parents never owned a car. So we walked up to the store. My mom put the dime in the, in the phone. She took the list with the coach's phone number on it. She called the coach. She had a conversation with him. After the conversation, she said, Mark, they're going to work things out for you. You're going to get to play basketball, but we have to buy your shoes. So everybody in those days, the cool shoe was a Converse, what Chuck Taylor All-Stars, the one they wear now just for fun. That's what we played in. But that was the best shoe of the time. 
This was the 70s. And, uh, but I couldn't afford those shoes. My parents couldn't afford those shoes. So we walked another half a mile or so. I don't know exactly how far, but we walked a, a distance up the road to a five and dime store. And we went in and my mom bought me a pair of plastic, inexpensive, no, that's not fair, plastic cheap shoes. They were just terrible. But I watched my mom count $5.99. She actually, I probably took $6 out, but the shoes were $5.99. And I watched tears form up in her eyes as she paid for the shoes that I was going to have to wear to basketball practice. But I didn't care. And we grew up in a place where nobody had a lot of money, so we never put each other down because of what we didn't have. We just went out and played and had fun. And, but this is my first time in an experience in a school with all kinds of different people. And so I'm in the locker room a few days later, dressed out, ready to go out for my first practice. I have that excitement going on. If you're an athlete, you know what I'm talking about, or an ex-athlete. I've got that adrenaline going on. I've got that nervousness going on. I can't wait to get out on the court and start practicing. And our coach walks in. He wasn't the JV coach. He was the head coach of the varsity. But he walked in the locker room. And after looking around for a minute, he looked at me and then he looked at my shoes and he made fun of my shoes. Not just a little bit. He got quite a laugh from the rest of my teammates out of the things he said about my shoes. He, he didn't know my dad was disabled. He didn't know my dad got hurt protecting freedom for our country, that he was a purple heart guy that couldn't make any money. He didn't know any of that. He just thought it would be cool to get a laugh from other high school kids that were my teammates at my expense. And I'm telling you, that hurt deeply. It might not seem like much, just a little joke, but it crushed things inside of me. And, and, and it seemed like for some reason as the season went on, he liked to poke at me to get a laugh from everybody else. And every time he did that, it hurt more and it hurt more to the point that after my sophomore year of basketball, I never played high school basketball again. I played football, I played baseball, even got to play baseball in college. But I never played basketball again. It was my favorite sport because that man hurt me with the words that he said to me to get a laugh from other people. Here's the verse again that Carter shared, okay? It's Ephesians 4.29 and um, it's my favorite verse in the Bible. I, that's hard to say, isn't it? to say you have a favorite verse in the Bible with all the incredible scripture that's in the Bible, but this is my theme verse for life. It has been for many, many years. I wanna read it to you again. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Carter did a nice job of breaking the verse down. I want to spend, you know, the part of the verse that, that we want to try to live out in our life is building others up, saying things that may benefit those who listen. That word benefit actually um, in the Greek can mean grace. So it, it could read build others up according to needs that it may give, it may give grace to those who listen. But here's the word unwholesome for you. Let me unpack it for just a second. It comes from a Greek word, saphros. And it means that which is corrupt or foul and was used of rotten fruit, vegetables, and other spoiled food. So I asked to, to be put on a slide of rotten fruit and, and spoiled vegetables so that you could get a visual because I wonder, I really wonder about this sometimes when, when we speak unkind, unnecessary, 
unwholesome words to other people, does God see like rotten fruit come out of our mouth? And see like, see spoiled vegetables coming out of our mouth. Because he created us in his image and he speaks wholesome words to us and about us. And I just wonder how he feels when we say corrupt, foul things about other people that appears as rotten fruit, vegetables, and other spoiled food. And I think it's why he follows it with this scripture in Ephesians 4.30, where it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, the Holy Spirit inspired all the writings in scripture, right? And Paul wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. So a lot of the New Testament was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by Paul. And so God, through, the, through his spirit, could have put this verse or what this, the content of this verse was anywhere in the Bible he wanted to. But he chose to have Paul put it right after Ephesians 4.29. In other words, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When we speak unwholesome words, you know, if we could ever just get our, our, our mind, our hearts, our arms around this, when we speak unwholesome words about other people, it grieves. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God because he doesn't want us to say unkind, unwholesome, unnecessary things about other people. I became a coach. I became a coach because just because I had that one experience with one coach, I had so many great experiences with other coaches. They shaped my life. Uh, my junior college baseball coach, he was the biggest difference maker God ever put in my life. He poured just affirmation on me. He made me feel like I was better than I was. He appreciated what talent I had and he, he got it all out of me. And I said, man, one day I wanna be like him. I like that man so much that for the next 40 years of my life, at the beginning of every baseball season, I wrote him a letter to thank him for the influence he had on my life because he spoke positive words to me. But while I was coaching at Opelika, that 10-year stint there, I went back into coaching for a while after FCA days, but in that 10-year stint, I was amazed at some things I saw with the students there. I saw handsome young men, beautiful young girls, intelligent students, talented athletic students, talented musicians, just all these different people, cheerleaders, all these different people with all their different gifts and talents. And I began to notice that a whole lot of them just really weren't happy. They were really struggling as teenagers with who they were. And I was thinking, you know, why, why are they struggling? They, they, they've got so much going for them. What, what's the deal? And I begin to put it together that a lot of people are the victim of unwholesome talk. You know, Satan likes to use repetition. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough till he wears you down and you believe you're not good enough. And when, and when you're speaking, when people speak unkind, unwholesome words into your life, they wear you down until you start to believe you're not good enough or, or you don't fit in. So I answered a call to ministry with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and one of the things I wanted to do during what became a 13 year period of time was I wanted to speak on this topic. I wanted to speak on Ephesians 4.29 and this is where I begin to really understand the impact of this verse and how if we, if we took the second part of this verse 
how powerful we could be making difference in other people's lives. So I began to work a talk up around this verse and I found out some things that, that were interesting and I believe, you know, they're pretty much true. I can't say they're exactly the right statistics, but when I was doing research to put a talk together to go do school assemblies, to go speak to, in dugouts or on football fields or wherever God let me speak, I, I, did, I, did, I was doing the research and I saw that these statistics startled me that it said that when a, a child went to kindergarten, nine out of 10 children like themselves. When a child gets to fourth grade, Six out of children still like themselves. When a child gets into the middle of junior high school, three out of ten children still like themselves. And if I had to put my thumb on the reason, I would say it was because they got beat up by unwholesome talk. That's the thumb I would put on the reason. And see... I love young people. I'm, I'm, I'm in my 60s and I retired so I could go back and start a ministry just going back into school speaking to young people again because I believe in them. They're so smart and talented and they're way more gifted than I was. They work harder. It's unbelievable if you get to know them and you get into their culture and you see they, they, they're striving to be as good as they can be in a very difficult world they're growing up in. But one of the things I've noticed is that when they get involved in drugs or alcohol or sexual sin or even smoking or whatever it is they battle with, it's usually not because they want to. It's usually because they've bought this definition of self-image. This is a Dr. Robert McGee from Search for Significance. He did a study, a survey around the country asking people what their definition of self-image was. And this was what he said was the go-to time after time after time was that you perform so that other people will like you so that you will feel good about yourself. Performance plus opinion of others equals self-image. Now you can look at that, you can, you can filter your own life through that definition, but I believe it's, it's spot on. I believe when kids have been beat up by unwholesome words and they, and they start to not feel good about themselves, they will do whatever is necessary for other people to like them, even if they don't want to do those things because they just want to fit in. Here's a couple things that happened during the FCA runs that convinced me that one day I wanted to go back if, I was, if God provided the opportunity to speak in schools to teenagers again. One day I spoke at a school outside of Montgomery. It was called Macon East Montgomery. And I went there and I did a school assembly. And it was, it was on this talk, you know, different to fit the group I was talking to. And I did this talk. And when I left, I, I, I was driving home in my car and I was having what I call a pity party. Anybody ever had a pity party, you know, where I was driving down the road and I, and I was saying this to God. I was just to my, you know, just praying silently to God. And I was saying things like, God, is it time for me to do something different with my life? I was in my thirties at this time. Is it time for me to do something different with my life? Or are young people really listening anymore? Do they listen? when I speak and stand up there and I drive from school to school and town to town and talk about this and pour my heart about, do they, are they listening God? And I was really questioning whether it was time to do something else. But I got home and 
got back grinding for God the next day, going from school to school and town to town. And several weeks later, five or six weeks later, this school asked me to come back to do another school assembly. So I went back to do another school assembly. When I walked in, I opened the door and right inside the door was the front office and then there was this big long wall, hallway wall, right? And there was a cheerleading banner up. You know how the cheerleaders make the banners where they, you know, for football? Well, they had made a banner. I guess the cheerleaders did it. It was well done. And it ran the whole length of the wall. And this is what it said. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Yeah. But only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. But underneath of it, it said, the students at our school have decided to start our day like this. How about you? Man, God just whispered in my heart. I've never heard him audible. That'd be so cool. But he just whispered in my spirit. They're listening, Mark. Man, they're listening. They're trying. They're growing up. It's tough, but they're listening. And they know how hard this verse is and how hard life is when they're being beat up by words. So after that 19-year run as a pastor, experiencing, I can't believe a pastor would actually share that pastor secret today, that experience of great sermon, Mark, great sermon, Mark, great sermon, Mark. Yeah, Mark, you just, that just, you know, you shouldn't have preached that. This was all you remember, the unwholesome talk. But I decided I was going to do something different. And so I made these bands, right? And when I finish speaking now in a school, whether it's on a field or in the auditorium or church like today or wherever I'm at, I do what I'm doing right now, make a mess. And then I share this last story. The last year I was with FCA before I went into pastoring, I was called by a coach at a school I'm not going to say the name of the school. She was my FCA sponsor. She said, Mark, we had a student that tried to kill himself last week here at the school. Coach walked in, saw it, got him down. He's okay. But I was wondering if you would come to the school and talk with him. And I have a hard time with a word, one word in the English vocabulary. A lot of y'all probably have a hard time with it too. It's No. I just have a hard time saying no. So I said, sure, I'll come talk to him. And then as soon as I hung the phone up, I said, what am I going to say? He doesn't know me. I don't know him. This is going to be really awkward. But I went to the school. They got him in a, had him in a, you know, like a little conference room in the office. I walked in. He was sitting at the table. You could tell he was nervous. I was nervous. I sat down and I'm thinking, what do I say? So finally, I just said, why'd you do that, buddy? And without hesitating, this is what he said back to me. I just got tired of them making fun of me. I just got tired of people picking on me, putting me down. They just beat me down. And in that one moment when nobody was in the weight room, I did that. And I know it was wrong and I'll never do it again. But I just got tired of people making fun of me. See, I know that pain. Maybe not to that extent, but... I went through a long period of my life not feeling very good about who I was because of the things people said about me. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've experienced that too. Maybe you're here right now today saying, yeah, my self-image has been beat up pretty bad. Well, I just want to say this real quick to you. Don't buy the world's self-image. Believe what God believes about you. His word says that you are his masterpiece. 
It says you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He created you in the image of Jesus Christ. It says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have the mind of Christ. Man, don't buy the lie that Satan wants to use in repetition when unkind things are said about you because it's the world's lies. Buy the truth from God. You are his masterpiece. Amen, amen and amen. The band's going to play a song called The Blessing. It's a powerful song. And they're going to sing this blessing over Mountaintop Church this morning. But here's, here's what I, w- I pray would happen. Here's what I, 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 I want to challenge you to. How can you be a blessing when you leave the church and you go out into the world? You can be an encourager. You can speak wholesome words. You can speak grace over people. You can pat somebody on the back. Give somebody a hug. Sometimes I might get carried away with it, but I try in any conversation I have with somebody, I try to say at least one encouraging thing to that person or about that person because I believe the world beats us up. And I like the way Pastor Carter said it. What kind of homes would our homes be if we lived by this verse? How would our schools be? How would the workplace be? How would Washington be? How would our athletics team be? How would the church be? And what a difference we could make in Birmingham and wherever we go if we make a choice today to only say kind, wholesome things about other people. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. As the song's playing, the altar's open. If you want to come up here and pray, the altar's open. But I would encourage you to come up and get a band. There's a whole bunch more. I'm going to throw them out. Either wear it, put it somewhere where you'll see it, and let it be a reminder to you to speak wholesome, kind words and to type wholesome, kind words until you hide that verse in your heart so that we can be difference makers, difference makers for the kingdom of God.